of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 226. Jason Lindgren is with me and Sarah G. We met Sarah through Dr. Kaufman. That's how the introduction was made. It looks to me like the things that we're going to cover here can't possibly run on YouTube due to the recent emailed threats that both Jason and I got. A number of people got that basically state if you have anything to say about the world situation and COVID in particularly that is not just nodding your head to what the mainstream news is doing, you're going to get stomped out. And as we have pointed out in the past, this is getting so insidious that it's not just myself or Jason that gets censored. We're within a community here and we regularly talk to people. So that kind of taint that they put on us goes across to other groups, which is why we have to run this way. But anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good morning, Crow. So how goes it? Oh, I'm having a wonderful day so far. How about you? Well, you know, the world's a little upside down and uh, it's almost astonishing to me how asleep what seems to be the majority of us are. This race card nonsense is beyond the pale. Uh, It seems that all adults have pretty much left the building. You know, there's always the possibility that that's not correct. We know that the information systems are controlled, and that always makes it difficult to have a tough or a a decent view. But what we further know is when we get these branded things like Black Lives Matter, what's actually going on is a narrative is being driven. The people who participate in that narrative may have the best of intentions in their hearts, and I'm sure most of them do. But then what happens is the counter agents come in to cause trouble. And what that's doing is driving us up to a point where we may start to hear things about the Insurrection Act. We may see Humvees coming down our streets, and all these things are illegal. I would point you back to Waco, which was the first thing that I can remember where the Constitution was trampled on or any semblance of any rights and rules that were in this country because the United States military cannot operate within the borders of the nation. But anyhow, do you want to jump in here or do you got anything to add? Let's jump in. All right. Welcome, Stair. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. I feel like with Pasi Kamatadis uh, being pretty much uh, on the precipice of destruction, I mean, well, it's a priority, you know, in terms of de facto expression is gone. So yeah, this is uh, really act two of the pandemic. Well, you know, I made, I, I kept saying there's another shoe going to drop here. What we, what we realize about things like this when power is being exerted to take over things, once they gain an inch, they're never given back that inch. So as an example, I had to go to the dentist yesterday. I walked in there and they got this damn plexiglass thing around the person greeting you at the thing. And it flashed immediately in, in my mind, there may never be a time in my life when that plexiglass goes away. What we further see is sometimes they take things that are so obtrusive, like the plexiglass, and they say later, well, you can take the plexiglass down now because you're going to all be tested or inoculated. In other words, they take something to give it back to get something worse. And I think that's where we're at here. Jason and I went into what was about to happen here with the whole race card drop saying, if you lose order, you lose everything. But it really didn't matter at that point what the people did, um, because it's pretty clear that they were bussing in people to cause trouble. But where would you like to, to jump in here, sir? Well, so what I anticipated would happen, because it's been sort of seeded already into the mainstream consciousness, is this second wave, right, is supposed to erupt in the fall. So I thought we at least had the summer, right, where they would generate this sense of normalcy. 
and then blame everyone who protested or anyone who stood up for their rights as being the cause of the second wave on top of the socioeconomic implosion, which is like a controlled demolition. Uh, instead, I think they further accelerated things because so many people became aware of the discrepancy between the original case fatality uh, predictions, which were initially 15%. That was what they said would happen. 15% of those who were infected, right, they would die. And then just recently now we see that 0.1% is most accurate, who Fauci himself published a New England Journal of Medicine editorial in March that stated that. He said this is no more serious than seasonal uh, influenza. So with that discrepancy, clearly everyone is able to see this is a psychological operation. And then they, they had to push <laughs> the second button here, which is, you know, bring in martial law using the race card. That's at least what I'm seeing right now. Well, we had a brilliant engineer uh, leverage off one of the asks I did in a previous episode where I simply said, please take the stated death rate, fake like it's true, with it, which it is not because COVID doesn't exist, and take the stated world population and since you're brilliant with numbers, figure it out. And it's less than 0.1. As a matter of fact, it's 0.0 or 0.00 something I've forgotten, but it is bookmarked there in my forum. And so what we can see is that logic has left the room. And as an example of this, I don't watch the news. And so it's kind of a catch-22 for me because most of the time Jason has to say, hey, dude, did you know this thing happened? And I would say no. And he would bring me up to speed because I refuse, which, you know, I, I understand everyone can't do this. But what I was clicking through looking for the TV listings because the TV listings reflect the programming. And this news bulletin from the local news came up and said there is a uh, curfew. So Providence has a curfew. I think it was nine. And then two big cities next to it, Warwick and Cranston, it was eight. But here's where logic flees the scene. This is the intentional kind of mind weaponing of people turning them into children where logic isn't even part of the conversation. Everyone's got to go to bed by eight, except the protesters, because they are essential. When in fact, what they're doing is leveraging off the fact that they're claiming the protest got out of hand to put the curfew in the first place. So the cart is not only in front of the horse. The cart doesn't have a horse. As a matter of fact, there's no damn cart at all. Um, so this is where we have come to where logic is not to be seen. This is now all be driven by fear, manipulation, media oversaturation, and everything. But when we first talked to you, we had HR 6666, I believe it is, on the top of the docket that we were going to talk about. Do you want to go down that road or do you want to go a different way since some time has passed? Well, yeah, I'd like to touch on it. Uh, first of all, though, of course, acknowledging the work of Andrew Kaufman, who actually put us in, in contact, because basically I think what is most important for your listeners to be reminded of is that we see here unfolding in real time globally the weaponization of germ theory. And it's a theory because Couch, uh, Robert Couch, the physician who came up with the validating constructs for you know, basically saying that a viral particle can jump from one person to another, causing contagion, uh, were never proven. Like there was never an isolation of an original, if you will, patient zero event where they were able to take this viral particle, validate it, infect animals to show that it caused the same disease, and then we isolate the particle. And so because of that, there are no tests that work. They only are able to identify nucleic acids because Kerry Mullins, who on a LSD trip came up with uh, 
polymerase chain reaction technology, which is a manufacturing technique. It's not meant to identify a virus. It can't do that. It doesn't have the specificity. The tests that were employed only identify nucleic acids, which your cells are constantly excreting, either as a sign of damage or also through exosomes, which are viral-like particles. That's literally what they're called. And so that's the original PSYOP. And in fact, the birth of germ theory as a geopolitical control uh, mechanism came through the Third Reich. And as many of your listeners probably know, thanks to you two, Project Paperclip continued that uh, operation into the United States. And so there's so many aspects of what's unfolding here that represents decades, if not centuries, of premeditated uh, agendas converging and now suddenly firing off. So this international coup that suspended the majority of social and economic uh, behavior on the planet bloodlessly, I mean, it was really just so nefarious and brilliant, wasn't it? How everyone just stayed in their homes. It was a bloodless coup. And we're still in it, obviously. The majority of, of individuals still believe this is a real thing that we are threatened by. So the context behind this is important. Now, with HR 666, which is no accident, of course, those who follow the symbolism of so-called, uh, you know, Luciferian or Illuminati <clears throat> groups, this is now here to basically put teeth onto the agenda because contact tracing is what this bill would disperse over $100 billion worth of taxpayer money uh, into uh, hiring 300,000 uh, of these snitches, basically, to stop a like characters that will go to the home and they will force, test, isolate, treat. And if a vaccine is ready, they will be able to, through these executive orders, force vaccinate. And so this uh, bill at present um, is <clears throat> gathering steam. It's also en encompassed within the HEROES Act. So even if this doesn't pass, it will probably get funded. And it was actually devised by the Rockefeller Foundation because they released uh, several months ago a national COVID-19 testing action plan. It's 30 pages. It goes into detail what they're intending to do with this. So they would basically require Americans get tested weekly uh, with these fake tests, right, that can't actually uh, isolate a virus or determine if it is there. Uh, and so this is just the, the tip of the iceberg. But initially, this was really pressing. You know, there's a nonprofit organization, Stand for Health Freedom, that has put an action around this so that people can contact their local officials. I know it's sort of an outdated model, obviously, when you have revolution in the streets, if you will. Uh, but it's still uh, a way to have impact and say, no, we, don't, we do not support this bill. Um, so that's what first brought us together. You know, I'm with you all day long. This, From my point of view now, this has been going on the tee up since the fall of Rome, whatever that was, whenever that was in some timeline that we may never know accurately. So we just assign them the fake dates they've been given. But even in the Killing off of the ideas of alchemy, the old nature-based science that could actually do so much more um, than science has. What they did is they slowly crept into all of science being driven by theory. And in an effort to keep common sense, a theory is an idea. And the longer a theory exists, it's less of a good idea. And if a theory has been around for more than five, six, seven years, it's not a good idea at all. And yet what they do is they come up with a theory, and then if it's one they really like, they make it operating plans. And that's not how the world works. Um, that's not how reality works. That's part of the planning. As I pointed out in the past couple episodes we've done, every time 
you've ever seen a black and white movie where someone says, don't sneeze on me. You're going to give me a bug. You're looking at the tee up for now because germ theory is provably false. Um, the idea that somehow viruses live and breathe and replicate and can make you sick or kill you is provably false, as Andrew Kaufman and many other people are trying to point out. So um, the scariest part of this is what you're pointing out from the Rockefeller documents, because they have openly said uh, in those documents that they are going to locate the leaders they're going to hose them down hard, stomp them out with law enforcement, and then after the fact, they're going to block their ability to get remedy in the legal system. So how bad do we think this is right now? Like, How many politicians are getting behind this that we know of, and how are people responding to the concept? Contact tracing just sounds like the thought police, the public doing it to themselves. It's a great question. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is that clearly we all understand presently in surveillance capitalism, you know, that's the superficial exoteric layer of what, you know, the technocratic society has created, which is we're all under real time surveillance. There's no need to realize the Rockefeller family's dream of chipping us because we already have our phones as our chip. Although, of course, this agenda is showing us that they are still trying to put quantum dots into us to track us like cattle. So, you know, contact tracing does sound rather innocuous, but it basically, to me, is a Chinification, if you will, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, the United States, California being, of course, the test case there. And of course, along with contact tracing comes real time surveillance, which is going to require a 5G uh, grid for higher bandwidth. And of course, it's weaponization. Because millimeter waves, you know, were originally studied by the Department of Defense for uh, crowd control. And so that makes a lot of sense. And James True, of course, I think you know of his work. He talks a lot about geofencing and creating, you know, this grid of really invisible fences. And that's what's happening, actually, with this agenda is there's simultaneous mandatory vaccination, real time, you know, total spectrum dominance surveillance, as well as, uh, of course, uh, per- parentectomy, removing one's children. Uh, right now in the District of Columbia, there's a bill introduced that would reduce the age of consent for vaccination down to nine years of age. And the American Pediatrics Association just released their position that they believe the age of consent for basically medical penetration, right, of a deadly uh, intervention should be 12. So you see the overlaps here with, unfortunately, some of the darker aspects of what has been revealed with the whole Epstein situation and the medical military industrial complex, how they're sort of merged and complementary. You know, God, part of what's been very kind of the scariest part of this is do they have the federal courts? Do they have every one of them just under their thumb in some way? Um, If that's true, um, then the last kind of peaceful way forward is being blocked. And I take that directly as a violation of our universal rights. Um, but is, is, is that what's happened? Will we still be able to go in and demonstrate that we are of divine origin and that we in fact have rights? And if we have to jump through their stupid little hoops in the way that we've had to defend them in the past, will that exist? Because if the federal, if the Rockefeller docs is talking about all court systems all the way up to federal, then that implies somehow they've controlled them. And if that happens, man, I mean, I don't even think I need to mention what the only path left to people Mm -hmm. who just won't stand for it 
What do you think? Do they have, does that Rockefeller doc imply that they've got every court system under their thumb? I think there may be a subtle implication for that. I guess what that brings up for me is looking at the last financial crisis in 2008, what happened was, of course, the banks were bailed out, establishing that we've lost sovereignty as a, as a nation, right? The international bankers clearly got a free pass and got immunity against our laws. And this is a continuation of that event, as far as I can see, that we are going to see a controlled demolition of the economy, not unlike building number seven. In fact, I was shocked yesterday after national rioting that stocks actually went up to see the decoupling of, since the beginning of COVID, right? I think the G gross national product is supposed to be going down 56% and stocks are still rising. And so that that is just remarkable evidence that we are unfortunately going to see multiple agendas collide here. But I think that the you know, the the federal government, obviously, up to the Federal Reserve, et cetera, it's all been co-opted. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that uh, among our community, many are starting to understand how important it is to have land and to establish things like land patents and to, you know, basically uh, opt out of the system as much as possible. It's ironic. The, the next episode we run after Wayne McCroy is going to get into exactly these ideas. Um, but you see, this is part of the problem. The federal court has to function for any of that to work within the system. Basically, these ideas are not saying screw your system to hell with your system. What they're saying is screw your system. I'll use your system to get out of your system in a way and that's not even totally correct because really you're not out of the system. It's almost like you're just cr trying to create a bubble you can live in where you're not screwed with as much. Um, and this this is the big thing. And with the overwhelming monopoly on information that came along so quickly and the overwhelming monopoly on information and media delivery, it is damn near impossible for any of us to get a fair view. Um, there have been times during this where I've thought, you know what? So many people know this is nonsense. Um, and then there are other times when it's like, geez, is, is that even correct? Um, is, are we still looking at 90% of people walking in a dream state? And at this point, I'm not even sure that's the real question because it almost seems like the fear has been elevated to such a level that there's precious few people that will stand up in a room with just 10 people in it and say, all oh, this is wrong based on fear. Amen. I mean, there's a Navajo proverb that says you can't wake someone pretending to be asleep. And I think that, you know, from the lens of compassion, I'm a good example of this. I mean, I was born into the world pretty traumatized through medical interventions, having been asthmatic from six months of age onward. They'd inject me with adrenaline and uh, keep, keep me alive, so to speak, although I, I wonder. Um, so the concept of traumatization being the root of, you know, why people think and behave the way they do, especially in times like now. I mean, what I've witnessed just in the past two days of the, the mass violence that has occurred and the co-option, as you mentioned earlier, through you know Antifa tactics and agent provocateurs, it is just insane to see that people don't appear to really um, understand that this is the agenda, that this is the whole point, this is the second part of the pandemic, is, is really to create these uh, well, black and white thinking. It's a DSM-5 uh, category. It's like uh, basically splitting or borderline personality disorder. It's like a class B personality disorder, but we're seeing it like as collectively right now. 
black, white, you know, you can't be against Black Lives Matter, right? Because that makes you racist. If you're for it, then you're clearly part of this globalist agenda. So it's, you know, it's so difficult to even navigate publicly in this moment. So part of what I feel called to do is to try to fund resiliency within my local community. I know a lot of us are talking about this, finding sustainable systems and trying to disassociate from the system. But that said, because I was starting to visualize Costa Rica as my landing place, if we don't stand right and fight where we are, then they're going to come find us anyway. This is truly a global event. And that's the part that there's really no escape hatch outside of what you're, even what you guys are trying to do, which is to educate, raise people up and be radically honest, brutally honest about what's going on. Well, if people don't think that this isn't a worldwide plan, I think they've got their head in the sand. This proves that there's some sort of system working behind the scenes and the boundaries of countries don't particularly matter. Absolutely. In fact, the transnationalization of this ideology, which includes transhumanism, is really profound. I mean, for a while, people were wondering, like, okay, why did Bill Gates donate $2 million to MIT labs, right, through Epstein? and then try to cover it up. Well, when you look at what MIT represents and their leadership in this space of transhumanism, and you start looking at RNA, DNA vaccines, and obviously we've already been looking at cannibalism with the use of aborted uh, fetal cells uh, being used as a substrate for vaccination. The agenda of, of these groups is so diametrically opposed to what people that just have empathy are connected to nature in some way can experience. And I think it was a real predatorial dynamic that's opened up. That said, I, I think you, you all are probably part of this group. I know for two decades, I've been deep in the trenches trying to figure out what I was seeing under, under the surface. And then for this to have happened was actually very vindicating because, you know, now we know, obviously, even conspiracy theorist is a CIA psyop, you know, the term. So, you know, people are kind of waking up. But as we said, uh, I don't know, maybe it's going to be too late to save the world. Maybe we have to save ourselves. And I know they're not mutually exclusive, but I'm starting to feel more like how much more can I do in this moment, especially with violence breaking out, et cetera. You know, I'll uh, I'll try to put a ray of sunshine literally in this um, because I've what you just said, I've been there. I've been back and forth. I've tried to realize ways that we can move forward. Um, lately, I've been going back to a lot of the alchemical texts, and what I realized was that was tied to nature. Nothing was going to be done within that system that was not in step with what nature will show you and allow. Um, and in it, what I've realized is to a person, all the famous names that were supposedly the alchemists, who were not all known, by the way, because the idea was not to be famous. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. You picked up a Latin name, which separated you from whoever you were in the world. Mm. Uh, names like Falconelli, where they regularly try to say he's not even a real person, doesn't damn matter. There's the ideas. I can read them. I can vet those ideas and see their value. But here's the thing. Each of them viewed this as a living system of which we were part of, and they prayed. They set up altars. They prayed to a God. They prayed to the living condition. They prayed to the spiritual side of the divine spark in human beings, and they over and over state that that prayer was essential for the peaks behind the curtain that we're going to let them move forward. And I would point out what you just said about what's being done to us. It's inhuman. It's almost like we could fake like vampires are real and they're not human and they've had enough of humans or there's some other predator that's not like us. And in that, 
we can deduce that if truly we all have the divine spark, then this is going against what created this place, truly. And so I'm pointing these things out because I'm guessing at some point, if we stand up with our divine spark, we pull up our spiritual side, we do pray to this place saying, this is wrong. Give me a hand here. Show me the way at least um, that we may see an event because uh, this is a living place. And it's a bit like the people doing this are the only real virus on the world. And I would just add these ideas. I can't tell you what their validity is, but I've been thinking a lot about it lately. Well, brother, this is very resonant. I mean, I was uh, going through a three-year process of writing my book, which is titled Regenerate. And what I did inadvertently in trying to better understand basic cellular bioenergetics, like, so how does the cell produce energy? Is it just ATP or is there something else going on? And I, I was just dumbfounded to uh, run into the works of alchemists, basically, who were just observing natural phenomena. I mean, the fact that you have something like an air plant, it lives off a of copper wire. I mean, they're literally transducing energy from the quantum vacuum and mitochondria themselves appear to have this ability to translate light into programmable matter. There's all these like incredible things going on. It's miraculous when you look at what life is. And so I started to get really excited. I started to understand water cavitation, which can be used to produce near infinite amounts of clean energy, as well as to induce micro stellar synthesis of the entire periodic chart. Like this would end, you know, the scarcity model for, you know, sort of geopolitical war and all the things going on. And so, so there's, we are, I have to say, I mean, if, if you look at it from the perspective, let's say plant medicine and people going through ayahuasca, you know, they're shitting their pants and vomiting. That's what we're going through collectively. This appears to be this dark night of the soul for the entire species. And I'm not trying to like be all bypassy and say that this is all great, but there's something about this moment that's similar because I used to be uh, educated at a birth center where a woman goes through the transition, right? Before she gives birth, she wants to rip her husband's head off, right? It's like the surge of hormones. And that's kind of what the rebirth moment is right now. And it's not predestined that anyone's going to survive the mother or the child. But I, I like what you're saying because it reminds me, you know, this divine spark concept is very important. Maybe that's what we are all being initiated into because a more worldly perspective on what's going on. And it just makes you want to get guns and like, just, you know, get a bunker. And that's not necessarily the only way to respond to this moment. It's actually the wrong way to respond to this moment. If it comes like that, then truly there's going to be a population reduction. And I guarantee you the largest reduction will be on the side of average human beings that just didn't want to be taken over. Um, the power and the technology and the ability to own the night because you can see at night better than day and smart weapons or so-called dumb weapons is what they actually are. Um, all these things have come to view, but let, let's, let's no nonsense think about where we are. How did we get here? How are all these animals and all this diversity? And from the beginning of any time any of us can remember, it was important not to let anything go extinct, right? And even if you weren't a spiritual person, the idea that you could lose that thing seemed like sin at the highest level. Well, that's kind of where we are. Because if this goes down at the level that we think they're going to push for, um, so much of so-called culture is just going to evaporate. The uniqueness of different groups of people, of course, language will begin to go after that because it will be one language. It'll be dumb speak. It'll be idiocracy speak. Um, the health and the ability of thinking 
will will start to diminish. We already see it in the resonance of the utter lack of any logical sense of things in things like a curfew put out. We got to do a curfew because there's all these things getting out of hand. But by the way, the only people not under the curfew is the people letting it get out of hand. Um, this is where we are. And so I would strongly suggest that people tap back into where they are. This is a living place. Every animal you see is connected to it. They can perceive things at a level we have never understood or figured out. And you are part of it. And in that, the claim of the divine spark. And I would, I would assert that this full frontal attack is basically against whatever created this, however you want to view it. And this becomes problematic in the scope of things, too, because in the fall of Rome, part of what did it was the takeover of religion. Mm. And that was another effort to secularize. It's mm. no different than social distancing. You're this way. Those people over there, they're wrong. They're evil. They're not your friends. Um, you can't love a Muslim. You're a Christian. You can't love it. You know, it, it goes on and on. But the truth of it is we are all connected. And when you hit true spirituality, all that crap goes out the window. True spirituality will allow you to recognize your connection to everything here. And if people have been misled, that's just part of the human condition. But I think one of our maybe saving graces that might come into play is that when a living body gets a sickness, it starts working to remove it. The idea of white blood cells, the idea of all these things, we're living in a living system. And we are part of the living system. If we tap into that, it might be a way forward um, because clearly what's going on on the other side can flat out be labeled as evil. Yeah, I love what you're saying because for some time, you know, when I really looked at what is going on with the sort of transition from the old biology to the new biology, which, you know, around 2000 is when you see a scaling of research on the microbiome and the virome, which basically helps us understand that we're primarily bacterial, viral, fungal, than we are actually eukaryotic cells in terms of DNA contribution, like 99-fold more, you know, in the terms of what germs give us. So in that model, clearly, you can't sustain germ theory. It's absurd, you know, but the deeper implication of the old biology is it's really a religion. So it's based on scientism, which is that there's only one way uh, to obtain truth. There's only one truth, really. The body as a piece of flesh carrion is really considered to be the most real of all facts in that realm. And then what happens is that you, you, you get a medical monotheism as a result. And then basically medical belief becomes like a religious belief, but it only tolerates one. Uh, it, it's its own. So in other words, medicine becomes a religion that devours all others. And so that's kind of what's going on. People don't understand that medical opinion, belief, it, it's, it's like a religious structure. And as James True says, you know, the piranha of your belief is what vivifies it. So you can pull that back. I mean, that's a lot of the work I've done over the years with Green Med Info is trying to help people see how they give their power to an external authority, like a priest of the body. The scriptures being peer-reviewed research, and then you see the CDC as like, you know, the church, even though it's eminence-based medicine, science by proclamation, it's not actually evidence-based. Like you look at the science on vaccines and you look at, you know, research on safety for influenza vaccines and you won't even find any because they don't even use placebo uh, trials with saline. They just don't use them because if they did, it would be clearly revealed that these vaccines cause way more harm than good. And that's the basis of what's going on. So, 
instead of it being uh, sort of like a pursuit of knowledge, it's become a geopolitical control mechanism. It's what Foucault, Foucault called biopolitics. And he knew that medicine was being used not just for profit, but for controlling masses of people. And now we're at the sort of boot end of this uh, prediction. We're seeing it unfold in real time. This is literally a prison planet, not to use Alex Jones' uh, terminology, but this is literally what we're seeing as a result of this religious uh, construct, which is medical monotheism and scientism. Alex Jones took that from Frank Herbert, so it's okay. (laughs) I did not know that. That's great to know. Religion is basically the enemy of spirituality, true spirituality and the human condition, because what it does is it puts man-made constructs on a thing that is far above it's like the idea of corporation. That's all man-made. I got news for you. There's a higher authority than corporation. Uh, Google is not the be-all and end-all. There is a higher court to make the pun in this land. But we've got to start to get back to brass tacks. And I'm wondering, too, is if the trauma in this for people who can see. What stunned me is the social distancing and the mask wearing. I refused to do it from the get-go. I knew a lot of people who did. But look at the numbers of people who just went right along with it. And then look at the numbers of people who were so behind it that they were going to look you in the eye and accuse you of endangering their life because you had opted out of it. But I wonder if the trauma of what's about to happen is going to urge those, you know, we, we started to have an awakening around the millennium. I wonder if we're going to start to see hu- superhuman beings, that the kind of full frontal attack on this is going to be that obtrusive bump that puts some people up in the superhuman category, which is much of what this is about. We're, we're all supposed to be on an upward trajectory, and most of the history we can see in our lifetime has been designed to do one thing, to stomp out the evolution, for lack of a better word, of the human spiritual condition and control it. And so, yes. you know, that, that's what we're doing here. And there, there have to be people. And I've thought about this too. You know, I used to study all these really old books where there were groups of people, even the light of Egypt, which some of it, I, I don't agree with it 100%, but then I also understand could be what's written here is for a reason. And that an initiated person would understand what I'm not agreeing with. I understand these things and I keep my mind open to them. But the larger idea is that there are these people who are truly light keepers, the real light, like the light of daylight, like the divine spark of God idea of light, but they've had to be underground so far because the church or other places would have stomped them out. But we know that these groups are around. I've read about them in almost every part of the world. Um, Is that going to come into play? Are we going to see super spiritual beings come in? Because I mean, let's, let's face it at the base of what's going on. It's a psycho spiritual war and Mm -hmm. it's fueled by fear. I love what you're saying because from the moment this unfolded, it appeared to be a psychological operation. And fundamentally, you know, that's the basis for what's going on right now. I mean, you look at even when you look at pharmacia, for example, right, that term literally means sorcery, it means poisoner. And that's been the basis for, you know, the pharmaceutical industry attaining global uh, control now is, is that it's a form of sorcery. In fact, the older Greek term is pharmakos, which mean, meant a uh, human scapegoat. sacrifice. A scapegoat. scapegoat. Yep. Right. Literal yep. translation is a scapegoat. Pharmakos. Yep. Yeah. And they would uh, symbolically and sometimes literally sacrifice or, you know, exile individuals. But, you know, the basis for this is, is really, uh, it's like an ontological speciation event. 
um, where we're seeing those, for example, who wear masks and and attack those who don't. It's it's a retribalization as well. So it's so clear people wear their ideology. Before it was masked to the, even themselves. They didn't realize how dark, you know, an installation of fear and uh, pseudoscience there was in their psyche. You know, and now it's coming to the forefront. I mean, going back to school in this country, can you imagine? They want children to social distance, to wear masks, to disinfect constantly, to get their temperatures taken. This is a a, a powerful MK Ultra level uh, thing that is descending upon our country. So some of us are opting out, and there is a, a huge movement for homeschooling now that didn't exist. And you know, as you say, this is a time uh, for us to rise, evolve, or unfortunately perish because the stakes are so much higher. That's trauma-based mind control, what they're trying to do to the kids. Yes. We mark a generation at roughly when the Great Conjunction happens. That's a rough, you know, it's like, where, where does the ocean stop and the beach start? You can, you can put a framework around it, but it's not exact. So about every 20 years is a generation. After they've implemented these things, if they successfully do it, it means that the inheritance of that next generation is warped. Not only is it warped, they have no frame of reference to understand that it's warped. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are the things that, that will be coming. But um, I'm starting to heavily skew. You know, I started to go down the constitutional road, and I, th- I think that's still a possibility, even though, you know, you can kind of demonstrate all the problems with that. But they're still swearing an oath to it. So it matters. But that relies on the federal courts. And we've seen in the other documents that they're threatening um, that there will be no legal remedy after they've abused you with law enforcement and other things. To me, I think we need to recognize on top of all the things we've laid down that we carry the divine spark. And that is a special thing. It puts us at the top of living things in this place we call the world. And in that, that means there was a creation, a creator. This was not an accident. There's no logical deduction you can make that is going to hold water when it's scrutinized that doesn't say somehow this place was created, however you choose to do it. But now let's flash back. Roughly two weeks before they burned Notre Dame, Jason and I did an episode to show that back in what we call the Middle Ages, when alchemy and the laws of nature were the apex and the abilities of human beings were far above what they are now, um, these buildings were built and it encoded in glass and stone the spiritual path a human being can endeavor to go to get to be a higher human being. Um, And everything you've heard about it has been lied about or commented by people who have no clue. And occasionally you get that one Falconelli or these other things that everyone will tell you that's fake, but the ideas are there so you can prove that it is not fake. But what happened? Two weeks after we did that episode, they burned it. And so this indicates the concern for the, I guess I'll call it religion of our time, which is unfortunate. Religion is a terrible thing. Spirituality is the highest endeavor. Religion is this group, this group. It's just more ways to divide people and not connect. It's division. Mm -hmm. You can accept whatever you want, but that is now provably an indicator that Christianity, among other things, and the Vatican is working as quickly as it can to put Christianity in its casket. Um, these things have to go away. And the reason for it is you could have a lot of people that would buckle under not much pressure at all, but there's something about the spiritual condition where people won't let it go even with a gun in their face. And that's why it's got to go. And so this further strengthens the idea that I'm trying to put forward here that we all need to start looking at why did the alchemist pray to this living place 
and say, please show me, give me a glimpse, show me the way forward. And, and, and I'm worthy and I'm, I'm serious about this. I have the divine spark and these amazing things happened. Um, I'm, I think we all need to hold on to these ideas and begin to implement them because let's face it, uh, if this goes much further south uh, yeah. <laughs> quickly, we're going to be in a tight, tight spot. Yeah, I would say that in, in tandem, I think what we've been doing for decades and centuries is misplaced faith, trust in a parentified you know, government and or conventional religious structures, organizations, and, and expecting either through entitlement or supplication, you know, that we should somehow be taken care of. And that's a individuation process we're undergoing, some of us at least, to realize that to the degree that I, for example, a concrete example would be Amazon, you know, just this magical system-wide thing that delivers what you want within seconds of ordering it. You know, and of course, there are CDC funding partners and they're part of this like vaccine at your doorstep agenda that will probably unfold. So meaning we have co collaborated, consented, colluded, and largely through intergenerational karma, like our parents who went through wars, for example, the traumas that they sustained. And, you know, they, they've carried a lot of that down to us. So our generation in this moment is going to be forced to question almost everything, even just to survive the coming transition. And so I think what you're speaking to is very valid. Like if we start pulling back our energy and realizing that we do create our reality to the degree that we take full responsibility for it. And that includes things in the yogic tradition they call cities, true powers. And those need to be handled responsibly because they can blow back on you. Some of those powers might be being able to collectively like Maharishi effect, meditate, and disarm, uh, you know, these agendas on some higher level. You know, that does sound new agey, but I do believe that you're speaking to. That's what higher, I alluded to. Yeah, that's what I, I alluded to. That's what it is. Yeah, that's that's powerful because that's a higher jurisdiction than the constitutional layer, which I do believe is super important to get back into at this moment. The world is watching. We can bear arms, so we can vivify that paper with, like, you know, obviously blood if we need to our own or someone else's, but. The higher level is not needing to engage at that level. And it's what gives the Constitution its power as well as down from there, the federal government. So I like, I like what you're saying. As far as I've seen, violence uh, diffuses the ability of that higher level. Um, and there are accounts from almost any sufficiently what we would consider ancient spiritual tradition that show pretty amazing things that demonstrate the human mind creates this reality. You were mentioning about the things that happened in the past. I had commented to Crow yesterday that we've done a lot of uh, work on different decades and how they seem to throw a switch and things change for a different decade. And you can look back in the past and it's very obvious that this is what's gone on from a social engineering standpoint. And well, we're here we are, we're in 2020. What are they going to do for this decade? And it almost seems like they're trying to revitalize some of the negativity of the 1960s with racial tensions and scaring everybody to death and you don't even know if you should trust your neighbor, that kind of thing. How do you feel about that sort of concept? Wow, I think you're absolutely on point. Yeah, not since the Vietnam War, perhaps, have we dealt with this sort of intense opposition, fractionation of the population. So, and, and you know, I felt, and I've talked to those who were there, <laughs> that this was like descending of the fascist boot in, in uh, you know, wartime Germany and you know, Europe. It's the same energy, what descended. It's just, I still can't really 
fully um, under, I, it's just like magic what happened. I cannot believe they pulled this off, that people consented at this level. Like how many generations of fluoride, both, you know, chemical and ideological needed to be consumed for this to have worked so effortlessly. You almost, you almost, they were like with uh, Bill Gates just laughing, you know, in his early interviews, like he's just glowing with joy over the fact that they accomplished this. I mean, it took a lot of time and patience, but so I feel like we're getting a taste of what maybe our grandparents experienced, you know, and some of our older parents with uh, the war, because this is, this is next level. Well, this almost implies that the majority of people still generally trust what the government and the mainstream media say. Yes, that I mean, exactly. And the centralization of the media down to maybe a handful of owners, it's, it's really remarkable. And yet when you see these video memes of them, you know, showing how everyone's talking off the same script, it just blows right back in their faces. How can anyone responsibly, um, you know, watch CNN or Fox or any of these mainstream media outlets without <laughs> infinite critical guard, you know? I'll say a thing here, and I always try to be careful. You'll never hear me bag on a spiritual tradition of any kind, because I think it's among the most critical things that a human being doesn't lose. And I don't care where it's coming from. If you're not harming others or other things, um, then that spiritual tradition, if it is followed in any meaningful way, will grow into something that matters. And I would ask a simple question. Why is it in our part of the world, when we see that man in black up front, telling us what we should believe. We call him father. Is he your father? Don't you have a father? Maybe you even are a father. Do you see where I'm going here? Mm. And he will refer to you as his flock. You are not a sheep. And Mm. these are the tools of subjugation. And while the spiritual path is there, you can see exactly what goes on in our world where true things are proffered while very unhelpful things are piled right on top. And over time, the truth gets lost. How do we get to the Pope, the head father, Il Papa? What's that all about? Can't you see what that is about? By the way, the word Pope and and the derivations of that was bridge builder was one of one of the definitions. You know where that came from? Directly from Mithraism, who Mm -hmm. the head guy took the same name. So I think it's important not to let go of your spiritual concerns, but begin to shed the things that have turned you into a child or a sheep or you're a human being, you're a grown human being. And all these little constructs that have been introduced to sidetrack us all have had their toll. And now it's time that we recognize that I'm an adult human being and I can help shape this place. And I'm not giving away my authority to some dude in black wearing a damn collar of all things. Come on, what's going on there? At some point we may do a show to show you what's going on, but it's very difficult to point these things out because people think it's a direct attack. And I assure you wholeheartedly, I am urging every person to hold their spirituality above all things, but don't let it be infringed upon. I mean, what do you think, Sarah? I love that. I mean, I'm a big student of etymology. I know religion comes from ligera, which means like ligament to tie, to bind. And to the degree that we let go of these archetypes that are operating, you know, beneath the surface of these words that, that are infantilizing, you know, or parentifying of 
power that we've given to others, then I totally agree with you. And, you know, spirituality could be defined as, you know, that which frees you um, by taking responsibility for not outsourcing decision or responsibility to your actions or thoughts to others. I also think there's a mythopoetic substrate to language. When you get into etymology, you see that, right, that the exoteric meaning uh, that we just subconsciously use conceals like such a power, like words can kill, they can heal. And to the degree that they influence our ideas about what's real, they totally uh, affect and control our behavior. So this is a time where everything we do and think and say takes on such greater meaning and it creates karmas, you know, causes and effects that we experience as cosmic two by fours, but actually we may have co-created those conditions, you know. Right. There's, there's provably, you know, I don't know how long ago I arrived at this, the idea of coincidence. There is no coincidence and it's provable because anything that happens has, has an, a cause. And that cause proves that the idea of coincidence, just somehow this happened, is not possible because the fact that it did happen means there are cause. But when we get back to the words, um, they matter so much. And it's been a long time since we pointed out that language is literally magic, literally magic. That's why they call it spelling. That's why the idea of Harry Potter pulls at the at the strings deep inside of everyone where they're spewing their Latin to get this magical thing to happen. Language is magic, and it's provable by the yes. demonstration that I've always used by telling everyone in about five seconds from now, I'm going to put an image in your head, and you can't stop me. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a malicious person, so I will not do malicious things. I will not hurt you, but here I go. I'm going to do it. Blue ball. There it <laughs> There it is. I just took a, a breath of air yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I turned it into language and I cast my spell to put the image of a blue ball in your mind. And so when you come back to the idea of what the sectarian religions have done in our world is they've come to us on a firm foundation. This spirituality is real. This path is powerful. And then they've set about subjugating, dividing, conquering, creating that group, this group, when in fact, the spiritual path will at some point demonstrate to you that we are all connected. Anyhow, that does bring us to the top of episode 226. Jason, anything you want to get in before I wrap it? Well, I'd like to address scientism a little more when we get into hour two, because it seems that that's just yet another form of belief system, I guess you could call it, for lack of a better term, but it's permeated everything. And I'd like to look at that more. All right, Sarah, you've got an option here. I know you got a membership at Crow Triple Seven Radio. You can opt to simply, when I email you the day this goes live, just go into the comments under uh, the episode to interact with people. Or if you choose, you have the option to give contact information here. I'm telling you flat out, if you opt to do that here, you may be overwhelmed. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, my model is to give out as much empowering information as possible through my newsletter at greenmedinfo.com. And anyone can reach out to me at info at greenmedinfo.com. Can you spell that, please? Yeah, uh, it's G-R-E-E-N as in green, med, M-E-D as in medical, info, I-N-F-O as in information. So greenmedinfo.com. All right, there it is, man. That's going to bring episode 226 to a close. This is not going to run on YouTube for obvious reasons. And as time goes on, we've all got to face up. Do you suppose that if overwhelming control is exerted in the real world, that information will be allowed to flow 
and the controlled areas that we have used up to this point. And I'm here to tell you, I'm almost certain not going to happen. And as a matter of fact, I'm guessing since we've seen actually marked censorship reduction uh, as we went into this, everything that was allowed to be posted will be retroactively used to finish you off if it continues to go this way. Join us on the other side for Crow777radio.com, where free speech rules. If you're listening to this, you're actually on my site listening to the free hour. If you wish, you can become a member for basically a price of an expensive coffee for a month. And you get three shows a week. Two of those are full shows. One of them is a live stream that's open to everyone on YouTube. Again, that's C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. It is the only true Crow site in this world. Everything else is fraud. And I hope you do join us on the other side because we're kind of going to go anywhere we want unconstrained. Although, like I said, there's no way in hell this is running on YouTube. Join us on the other side. Cheers. <laughs> 